Hey everybody, welcome back to Terminus, the Candyman of Extreme Metal Podcasts. I am the Death Metal Guy, aka Late Dark Throne, and its consequences have been a disaster for the human race. <laughs> and I am the Black Metal Guy, aka Permutations and Combinations, Problem 3. If every member of every lineup of Batushka sues every member of every lineup of Absurd, how many lawsuits will there be? <laughs> that's, that's a lot of lawsuits, man. <laughs> it, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> okay, so I, I'm sorry, but I have to do this up front. Uh, so, so Dark Throne uh, announced their new album. Oh, oh whoopee. Have you seen the uh, the cover art? Oh no! All right, yeah. Dark Throne. Is there a track released yet? Uh, I, I yes, but of course I didn't listen to it. Dude, what if we did a live react right fucking now? Oh fuck! Okay, god damn it. Let's see how long it is. If it's a ten minute doom song, no way. Um, Dark Throne new. Yes. Uh, uh, no, it, no. There's just a trailer. It's just a short trailer. How short? All right, maybe we'll do that. We'll wait till they have a track well, out. Yeah, we'll but, wait until they have, there's a full track out. But uh, but so yeah. let me see the cover. Dark Throne. What's it called? Astral, Astral Fortress. Uh, okay, you know, I mean, the title is in the in the proper spirit. Um. Oh no! Is the cover space? No. Okay. It's much see. worse than space. Oh, weird. Yeah. It's ice skates? Yeah. It's Fenris ice skating with a Panzerfaust hoodie. Whoa. Each each Whoa. time you think it can't get worse. Like the the way his hair is billowing out behind him. It's um and it, and of course, everybody who's talking about it is very enthusiastic. Yeah, um, well, you know, it's just like the cover of the canonical uh, canonical black metal record by a Sacred Sun. But it's like, yeah, yeah, no, people have made that comparison. Um, it's the, you know what? I'll just play the character. It's like, you know what the coolest thing about black metal is? Like when it's not black metal. I really like it when black metal just, like, doesn't take itself seriously. Like, you know what's cool about the Astral Fortress cover? It yeah. proves that you can, like, you can be, like, really metal, like Fenris is, but you can also just be, like, a, a chill guy to, like, hang out with and stuff. And, like, the important thing about black metal is, like, being able to get a beer with the guys. What, what is it that Dark Throne said? Uh, true Satanism is lost on you? <sighs> I just I mean I, you know and it's like I mean who am I to like you know it's it's tough right because those guys have accomplished so much and in some sense who am I to shit on them like or to shit on their trueness or whatever but it is weird that the same band that said that is now doing this like I guess this is true satanism Yeah no it's like it's really cool to do I mean, B bad rock and roll. Also, don't get us wrong. We're totally pro going ice skating and like doing like that's cool shit. Ice skating on an icy river. But there's this is not the 
this is not the photo. This is, this is not the context for for that. You're, also, you're I feel cover. like I feel like the font choice is very um. That's very late Burzum. <laughs> is it? I didn't even think. Yeah, about it's like that. very like. Well, in the wake of like Bellus and stuff, and I think even on Bellus, he just started using just really simple type. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's what they've been doing for the past few records. Oh, really? Okay. Or, well, or they've just—I mean, I haven't listened to the past five. Yeah, they got Thrones. some gothic font on the last one. Last one, I you know, I talked with one of our patrons about this, and he was saying like, I don't—I'm confused by your guys the feelings about Dark Throne, and I said, you know, man, so are we. <laughs> uh, it's just—it's um, just an uncomfortable semi-sexual confusion. <laughs> um, and and like I mean I think that from when when I heard Arctic Thunder I actually thought it was pretty damn good. It's got some like kind of stupid USPM mixed with crust punk stuff, like actual like stench crust stuff. That's like pretty cool. But the whole just attitude there, the stuff I've heard since then I've not been into at all. It's just the whole attitude. I don't fucking get it. Well, if anyone, how long can you how long can you run from your past, Fenris? Well, if anyone wants us to actually listen to New Dark Throne, spelled N-U with an umlaut. Um, new Throne. New Throne. Uh, the best way to do that is to follow us on Patreon, <laughs> where if you want us to do something like that, our $50 You Are Literally Danny Filth tier will allow you to force us to review a record. <laughs> I actually tagged Danny Filth in my last Instagram post. I figure like the time to start harassing him is now. Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> but uh, for those of you who aren't insane, uh, we have other tiers available. Uh, $3 and up gets you access to the Terminus Prime bonus episodes, and $5 and up gets you access to the Terminus Black Circle, our private Discord server that has been overrun with Candyman and wrestling talk for the past week. So there's something for everybody, I think. <laughs> Just one one last thing about the Dark Throne. I think the most saddening thing, kind of like what I was just saying, is like, you know, some artists lose it. I'm sure if they want to do, they could just record a fucking great record. I'm sure they could do it. The riffs are there. I'm sure the actual black metal riffs are sitting in tape recorders in both of their houses. Ugh. Black metal guy, they don't want to. They, they, they could be kind to you. They could take care of you, and they're choosing not to. And that's, oh, that's, that's true selfishness. Satanism. That's selfishness. Right true Satanism. Um, <laughs> they, they have the power, and they choose not to exercise it in your benefit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But uh, real quick, wrap up the housekeeping. Uh, social media, follow me, the Death Metal Guy, on Facebook, at Terminus Podcast, and the Black Metal Guy on Instagram. At Terminus Extreme Metal, um, so to uh, to to get the show off the ground for something completely different, a uh, little mini review, just something I stumbled across that I ended up really enjoying. Um, I want to talk about the new four-track EP by a Chilean brutal death band called Solemnity. Uh, the title is Scourging at the Pillar. And Great this is album title. Oh yeah, it's really cool. Um, and uh, this is out now on Comatose Music, uh, stalwart, brutal death label, basically can't do anything wrong. Um, so Solemnity, this really caught my ear because this is a part of kind of a narrow lineage of abstract, grinding, brutal death. 
Hmm. Uh, it kind of originates from that uh, that nexus of like uh, liturgy, the real liturgy, uh, cinerary, and Brodequin. Um, and then I'm going to ask as a formality, but are you familiar with anything like postulated or fetopsy or anything? No, I think I think that list stopped basically at Brodekin and uh, oh, and liturgy, of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you should definitely listen to the cinerary stuff because that's right in the same mm. vein. Um, so yeah, so postulated and fetopsy were bands that kind of uh, took some of those ideas um, and combine them with more of a gore grind feel to make stuff that's super timbral and really abstract, kind of in the sense of that induced record that you really liked a couple years back. Hmm. Oh, um, interesting. And it's also, it's also interesting because it's like this one lineage of brutal death that is like super anti-Christian as like a primary yeah. lyrical theme, which I think is pretty interesting just because you don't see a lot of that anymore. Um, so yeah. let's just uh, let's listen to the second track on the EP uh, titled Spitting in the Church of Jesus Christ.
So what I uh, what I really enjoy about that is that you know we've talked about how some of the coolest stuff happening in Brutal Death is um, reaching toward the very abstract, but at the same time sort of accessing more traditional death metal riffing ideas at the same time. Um, and I really like how this reaches into that sort of enmity or new standard elite uh, extremity, uh, just in the the timbres and the sort of like almost mm-hmm. absent tonality. But if you listen closely to those like blasting trem riffs, a yeah. lot of those are really darkly melodic um, in the way that some of them are on like molesting the decapitated or some of the really gnarly early deeds of flesh stuff. Um, so even though you've got this big wall of chaos with the super slurring vocals and mm-hmm. kind of the gravity blasts, there is a thread of kind of traditional death metal riffing in there. You can hear how they're doing like, you know, the, the slinky trem thing. And then for the back half, they're raising it the fifth, this like super old, like death or thrash technique. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just a really cool juxtaposition of these different ideas. Well, what, what did you think about it? Dude, I really liked that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. You're, um, you're you're starting to get more of a tolerance for those vocals. I can tell. <laughs> well, well, no, I think I've I think these vocals were some of the ones I liked. This was a thing that, like, back when we, back in the old days, bro. Like, yeah, I could not do those vocals. These days, I think even when we started the show, that's one of the things I liked more about the BDM you showed me because at this point I can get, okay, that's really gory. <laughs> or like, just really yeah. just gruesome and heavy. Um, uh, the sort of like deep, the deep grunt that's not even enunciated, right? Which there's also yeah. a good one on the next, also some good ones on the next band. But like more than that, it's the, um, I, I definitely hear its relationship to the induced, but this is more like fun. Um, yeah, it doesn't have that like mechanical dark quality. Yeah, it's not as that's kind of atmospheric BDM. This is like very uh, engaging. Um, the the like um, it's the induced may have taken me a bit. This is just like instantly sick. Um, and so let me see where, in terms of like, yeah, I definitely hear you on the riffs. Like that blast part, the first of the big blast parts. It was basically like a primordial extreme music riff. And you know they were maybe dressing it up in certain ways that made it a little fancier than that. Yeah. But basically that was the idea, and they were just playing it with such ferocity and such rhythmic inflection and such a crazy thonic tone. Oh, yeah, the production's amazing. (laughs) Oh, yeah, exactly. The Induced was deliberately sort of almost scooped or something, right? It was super cold. Um, This is is exactly the right kind of just, like, fuzz and crunch in it. Um, And that part was just crushing. I mean, that, like, that riff you could almost hear on a Stooges record or on a Discharge record, but you can also hear it here. And so the question for me and would be, and probably for many others, right? If you're a black metal guy, what do you know? Oh, well, I like Brodekin. Um, and, you know, Brodekin isn't exactly something that I listen to on the reg. I know that. So the question would be, what separates this? And I think I have an idea. From what I remember, Brodekin riffing was more clearly defined and more more immediately like black metal riffing in some ways. Like, almost closer to just, like, a death metal-y version of, like, a more, a less poppy, much more brutal version of Behemoth riffs. 
Mm-hmm. Um, is that correct? Like Braquin riffs are really interesting. Their latest record sounded very different and like sounded really like Behemoth. Just like okay, this is Behemoth with like Braquin production. But, <laughs> or, or, but yeah. Well, it's uh, so I was actually I was looking at some Braquin tabs the other day and some mm-hmm. videos people had done. Um, of you know just doing covers of some of their songs just because mm-hmm. I was interested and actually it's just like it's they are more like like you were saying primordial extreme metal riffs in a lot of ways like they are mm-hmm. they are not nearly as complicated as they sound they're actually like deliberately oh, primitive I guess the other band I think of them uh, with Brodkin is Marduk right and yeah Solemnity the, definitely sounds kind of Marduk at times. I can definitely see the association there you know the these sort of walls of well yeah. because because they're because it's all trem based they're not doing the the choppy 16th yeah. note runs well yeah. what about the rhythm so what about the rhythms here right so one thing that's really cool about this is that this is an extremely stripped down short song with a brutal simple geometric riffs in the best sense and yet the there's some pretty cool flowing rhythmic stuff that happens there that's very difficult to count especially at the beginning and then it just drops into a very like an interesting but like straight ahead just pummel four four pummel like does Brodekin have that kind of r- rhythmic complexity to it? Not quite, and I think that has a lot to do with these guys being from Chile and kind of the South American brutal death style in general that tends to have these very kind of like flowing, like seemingly free time blast sections that'll kind of snap back at the end of these oh, extended yeah. phrases. Did, did you see the top comment on this? Uh, no, I didn't. In Celebrity. Uh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. So Insalubrity would be a great example of that kind of thing. Right. Who are, are they also Chilean? Uh, They are Ecuadorian. Ecuadorian. Yeah, they just come at sick band. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, I think I agree. Sick band. How's it going? Connor here from Oncology, and you're listening to Terminus. All right, we are back, and uh, for our first whole review of the night, uh, we are covering the new record by Vermin Womb, titled Retaliation, out on Closed Casket Activities. So, uh, Vermin Womb, I actually had not heard their first record in 2016, titled Decline. Um, I was I was kind of dimly aware of them. Uh, I know that uh, one of the main guys in this band is also in Primitive Man, who are actually a very good band, but just that kind of that that kind of trudging, noisy sludge doom thing just isn't something that I typically listen to anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are very solid. Uh, and really, what this is is kind of the rebirth of a sort of a, a grinding metalcore or a breakdowning grindcore band called Clinging to the Trees of a Forest Fire, uh, who were pretty cool back in the day, and I remember really enjoying their records. Mm. Uh, so, uh, Vermin Womb wasn't familiar with it until now, and but I did see some people actually in the Discord talking about how they were excited for this new one, and I was curious about that just because. Kind of the scene of Vermin Womb um, uh, and sort of Primitive Man is not the wing of the scene we typically cover. You know, it tends to be a little bit more artsy, uh, tends to have a lot of deep connections to crust and hardcore. And there's nothing wrong with that, but typically it just doesn't produce stuff I'm super interested in. 
but uh, I decided to give this one a shot, and I was really, really pleasantly surprised. Uh, so this is a very brief but very complete full-length record at just under 19 minutes. Um, and what Vermin Womb does is kind of a, a, a mash of uh, death and black metal and grindcore and some noise, but the grindcore is especially prominent. You could confuse this for a sort of modern take on war metal, but what this really is at its heart is just a very smart, very sophisticated, and very well-executed grindcore record that pulls a lot of influences from various places in extreme metal. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I ended up really enjoying this one. What, what did you think about it, man? Yeah, dude. Um, I think it is, yeah, I think it is quite good. Um, I think it would take me longer to decide how much I like it exactly, but um, there's definitely a version of that, like, yeah, it's, like, very good. Um, and it's obviously doing stuff I'm interested in and have been increasingly interested in, right? Uh, um, I'm really glad it's not war metal. <laughs> yeah. Which is, we're all kind know, of burnt like, out on, I guess. <laughs> well, and yeah, and um, I, you know, who knows? Maybe in some sense, spiritually, you could say it's war metal. But I'm really glad it's formatted as grind grindcore, right? Um, mm -hmm. If there's a war metal influence, which I'm sure there is, my guess would be this sounds like Conqueror. It's been years since I've gone back to Conqueror, and I feel like now I might actually like them more than Revenge, especially given what's happened to Revenge. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, back in the day when I tried it, you know, as a wee lad, I was like, okay, this is just, you know, to me it was like, okay, this is incoherent, has no riffs, just loud, blah, blah, blah. Same that I said about Deifago, which I think I stand by. Um, however, uh... You know, like, um, Galaxy Brain Moment, right? What if the, you know, we've always talked about how, you know, everyone kind of says war metal is kind of like, you know, it's hit or miss at best, right? It's this, like, very appealing proposition that very often just doesn't deliver, right? Mm -hmm. And so very often, you, you know, like, very often when people will be like, no, you got to hear this. This is war metal, but it has riffs, right? Mm -hmm. And then I use, gradually start to realize that's what we all say about the war metal bands we like that just have a little bit different, right? <laughs> um, and, and, and so what if the problem was never that war metal didn't have riffs, right? What if it's just that it wasn't developed very far in the other direction, right? Yeah, it wasn't in other structurally words, that they, developed. In other words, that they kept playing all the same thrash metal minor kind of... Uh, arch goat blasphemy without the death metal hybrids right mm -hmm. yeah um and and so this is really cool and i think as far as the comparisons from this show uh you know yeah we i think we we should we're gonna soon start have to stop having to call stuff like this a fusion right because this is doing the same thing as like concrete wins in some ways yeah um, uh, i definitely agree especially their first record yeah so Concrete Wind's thing was, right, ditch the music and keep the big riffs, right? We've, we've <laughs> talked about it as music-adjacent riff writing, right? It hits in exactly the way a Slayer or a Dark Angel or a Creator record would. It's just, like, the most... I didn't think anybody could push atonal. It's more atonal than ostensibly disso bands, right? And mm -hmm. it has all these cool noise squeals and effects. If you're new to the show, go check it out, right? We listened to the... Uh, 
Yeah, so this band is basically like, yeah, uh, ditch the music, uh, ditch the big riffs too, right? This is just, <laughs> um, but like in a really good way. Um, it's not structureless. It's not sort of, um, it, it, it's definitely not uh, the sort of like extremity fatigue thing that people often complain about with the most far out war metal or like I did with stuff like Conqueror, right? Where it's just like, great, once you get used to the fact it's really loud, it's just really loud, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. It, it does not do that. And, you know, last time when... Uh, when Hyper Shaman and I were talking about, like, dressed in streams, right? It's like the distinction between the, this focus on the riff as the fundamental unit versus, like, riffing as a practice, mm -hmm. right? Like, and, and, which gets back to the real original sense of what riffs meant, which Concrete Winds understood, which is just like, you know, it's a delivery of force. A music focused on delivery of force, not hooks. And this band is doing that, but in this sort of free and open and aggressive way, right? I'm sure we'll talk more. You can isolate individual phrases and there are like set repetitions and stuff, but like it's way more about impulse than it is about uh, packageable hook delivery. And like Concrete Winds, it has this sort of, um, it is deliberately not focused on a tonal center in the way that we would normally understand, right? It all has this sort of, it's not like, it's not just like scooped cold tone and BM. It's like, it's been tone scooped. And mostly <laughs> what you're getting is timbre, timbre and timbre and a sort of, um, and these sort of crossing, mixing sort of screes of pitch, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, I think um, it's, it's weird that I would, I would come up with this comparison, but like, I, I think there is something spiritually similar in terms of stuff we've covered on the show between this and like the, uh, the Sorgonazia or like, uh, Antediluvian yeah. records of last year, you know, certainly the Sorg, the tone is a lot kind of like the Sorgonazia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And also as far as the war metal idea goes, my immediate comparison would be uh, bestial warlust. Um, I was actually, I went back cause that was just like my first impulse, but I went mm -hmm. back and I listened to some of, uh, like, what's it called again? Vengeance war till death. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was surprised by some of the similarities because I think, I think I actually hear this record as a little riffier than you do. Like, I think oh. there's like really isolatable, distinct figures in this that are worth coming back. And to. you're talking about the vermin womb, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. when we were texting about this earlier, I was like, "Oh shit, I've been meaning to go back to Bestial Warlust," but like, but I, isn't that like riffier than this? And it's riffy, but in by the which I mean like it has power chords and it sounds kind of like where Marduk went, right? It, it's uh, it's riffy in the sense that like sadistic execution is riffy. You know, right, 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 it, they're right. definitely not configured in the manner of regular death or black metal riffs. But then I think there's also this like distinct undercurrent, which kind of leads me to the Sorgonazia of like a real understanding of like how to do really aggressive, really dark black metal inflected riffing where mm -hmm. I would also compare this to uh, I, I got to do a bonus episode on this because I keep bringing it up and nobody cares but me, but uh, adversarial. 
who I always thought were just the absolute apex of that sort of like black death leaning into war metal stuff that was really popular like halfway through the 2010s. We can um, do like adversarial X rights of the I degrade or something. That would be, that would be a perfect matchup actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, the other thing to mention because someone else will mention it in the comments is impetuous ritual, right? Mm-hmm. Um I remember having listening to impetuous ritual having the sort of the pleasant feeling, right, of like wow, there's just all this noise, but then you, there's this wonderful sort of suggestion of elusive sort of uh, turbulent structure that you can barely, you can't really make out. And unlike a lot of these other bands, you look closer and there's just a bunch of shit going on yeah. in cool ways. <laughs> However, Impetuous Ritual definitely does not have the sort of body body music aspect that uh vermin womb does certainly um, it's certainly. definitely sort of abstract kind of menacing atmospheric war metal whereas this is um this uses a similar kind of technique but like to i think to ends i'm a lot more interested in yeah so let's uh let's listen to your first sample yeah so where this started off i was like um you know, like the, the record leads basically with blast wall stuff, right? And so initially I was just like, well, we'll see where this goes, right? You know, this a number of things could happen. Um, and we get to the second track, Rotten Hell, and the blast wall will keep going, but maybe you'll start to hear the uh, the shit going on in in the sort of uh, sea of trem noise and. Yeah, let's let's just play it. <laughs> there, there is just like an. I love how immediate this music is. Yeah. So you know when I was as it kept going, right? I was forming a more and more positive opinion of it, right? And then finally, when it just that D beat snaps in, I'm just like, oh, thank God, this is grindcore. 
Um, and I love, like, I love how the D beat, it it has clearly a D beat riff. It has that rhythm, but it it keeps up with the tonal ideas. It's like it's not just you know regressing to the mean of like a oh, standard D beat riff. Absolutely not. I mean, the, the, like it's it's also sort of. Like it, it's they do it well so that it gives you the D beat feel. So they center on a tone there, which they're normally not doing, right? But it's just one note, yeah. like, <laughs> and and it's still with the churning noise. Um, and you know it has the rhythmic intensity that most nowadays beat D beat bands, com- or really most always D beat bands have missed. Um, uh, if there's anything I've heard that sounds a- somewhat like that, it's like um sectioned but sectioned has a completely different tone sort of sectioned is also doing sort of like far out intense tone and has these sort of grinding d beat sections but this is obviously like just the difference between like the in the red noise on this or the like sort of like sort of like hyper gent tone on that on mm-hmm. sectioned is like night and day Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could compare this band to Section, though, just in terms of like, okay, these are like forefront grind hardcore guys, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's something mm-hmm. we're going to keep coming back to is how important it is that this is grindcore structurally, which is something that's almost been lost in nowadays grind bands who who act more like hardcore bands now mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. you know. And there's definitely the hardcore influence on this. Don't get me wrong, but like. There's certain stuff these guys do, like there's there's this brief moment of this like crazy off-time blast switch that happens like halfway through this track, which is very mm-hmm. sim- similar to something that like a really serious grindcore band like Internal Rot would do. Oh. Um, and there's some horrible howling tone that happens, I think, right about there, where it's just like, and I, I, I oh, yeah. shouted, like, I shouted, that's fucking sick, that's like a vacuum cleaner. It's, um... <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a there's like the I think it's like the second or the third riff is just like a pure like noise riff, but and it's got this like tiny little like eighth note rider at the end of the four four passage that's just feedback that keeps snapping. Oh, back that into might itself. be what I'm that might be what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the um yeah, there's also that you know um one thing that happens a lot here are these if you listen closer this sort of like well we were talking about the what 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 thing happening with these uh chords and that is like i guess it's kind of orthodox black metal right that's the kind of thing uh, aosoth did when they blasted but it's just being used in a different context with way more noise and none of this you know the risk of all this stuff is sounding like diso black death and Mm -hmm. you know at least now that I've heard this, I want to go back and listen to the first part of the Concrete Winds record just to see the new, the later one, right? Just yeah. to see if maybe I didn't give a fair hearing. Maybe I just wished it sounded more like the first record. But like, um, but like the first part, we thought when we reviewed it, at least the first part of the the new Concrete Winds sounds more like that kind of disso stuff. And this record, like is drawing on technique from that, but never sounds like it at all. No, certainly not. And that's mm. that's one of the best things about it, because I was, you know, a little concerning. It's like, you look at the album art, it's like... Sure, sure. Know. Oh, is this going to be like the fucking Plebeian Grandstand record? Exactly, I mean, that was that's sort of an yeah. imme- That's sort of an immediately comparable record from a sort of somewhat similar neck of the woods culturally, that this just 
absolutely flattens. I mean, what doesn't, <laughs> what doesn't absolutely flatten? I mean, that record flattens itself, but like, it's, um, like this is sort of the, this is the sort of Virgin Chad meme, a version of that. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, no, it, well, and that, well, that's great. Cause that leads me to my next sample where I, I want to talk about the riffing a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, which is that so much of this is structurally purely grindcore riffing. You know, you've got the vocabulary of stuff like um, internal rot or PL, left like serious grindcore bands with legs um mm-hmm. because the risk of this sort of thing when you um when you're combining these influences of grind and death and black and like substantial kind of chunks of noise you run the risk of becoming like noisy cavern core with blast beats yeah yeah, yeah yeah but here the sense of riffing the the integral like purity of the grindcore riffing is so important. You can never mistake it for something like that. Um, but what the, what's cool is they take that grindcore riffing and then they've got these internal aesthetic variations, you know, mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. that keep you guessing. You've got one that's more black metal, one that's more death metal, which, which, which is the grind method. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like we always talk about, you know, a grindcore riff is a riff that grinds. It doesn't necessarily have mm-hmm. a, a, a distinct I mean, you, you can argue there's a couple like distinct. Yeah, you would say forms. internal rot kind of has a specifically grind riffing vocabulary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and you're um, about to hear stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is like it's very easy for a band in this style to just lean into distortion and like the really crazy vocals, which are really excellent across this record, by the way. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And just turn the whole thing into an aesthetic exercise. But instead, Vermin Womb does something that's much harder, which is to write actual fucking songs. So this is a track called Art District Without Artists. We can dream. So, so there you get some really distinct variations on different riffing ideas. You know, the first few riffs of that song are very purely grindcore. And then uh, kind of as the song moves along toward the end, those almost sound more like modern, like martyrdod riffs or something. 
um, the, the the sort of like simplified crust riffs, but then the 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 kind of um, the chord shaping kind of suggests black metal in its own uh, way. Well, well, what the are you talking about the blast riff? Because they do the sustained blast riff that's really cool and that feels. Very oh, I was black talking about the, uh, the the like skank beat parts before that. Oh, yeah. oh, let's see. Wait, did I miss those? Um. <laughs> a lot it's happens. A, it's only a minute and a half long. No, it's it's basically it's most of the back half of the track. Oh, do you mean like the very last bit? No, just like the stuff around like nine fifty ten. You know. All right, let's check. Let's check these skank beats. Oh, that's funny. I just heard it as like I hear that as blasting. Oh well, yeah, we have different. Oh, oh wait, wait, wait! It's right before. Sorry, my bad, dude. Yeah, it's it's right before that that closing blast section. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you hear the kind of like martyr dog thing going on there, or at least yeah, I like a- absolutely, well, yeah, like in extremis. Yeah, yeah. No, no, in extremis. Oh, in extremis. Like in extremis has super brutal dissonant chording that's in a pure DB context. I mean, Martyr Dot is as good as like modern crust gets, basically, um, especially back then, and. Um, I'm sure these guys like that stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, like Martyr Dot are doing, I guess you could say they were doing ortho type harmonic things in that, uh, in a crust setting, but unlike those black metal bands and sort of black death bands, they were using them to be brutal. Right. Which is what Vermin Woman was doing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess, and the big thing that I want to say about this song, sort of, I keep going back to The Well of Internal Rot. We covered that record last year, even though it came out the year before. Um, and we both really like that one. What Internal Rot proved is that, like, the the format of Grindcore is 100% conducive to creating very full ideas in single songs. I mean, mm-hmm. and this is where, you know, the extreme metal comes in, you know, the black and death. This is a minute and a half long song that's extremely narrative. It progresses through a sequence of logically interlinked melodic and rhythmic ideas, and it's more than the sum of its parts. Um, and I think... And- You've complained about bands not knowing how to end songs. Talk about, like, that was, like, the end of that was, like, the longest 15 seconds I've ever heard, but I mean that in the best way. <laughs> well, what's interesting is, like, our remaining samples, they, they form, a like, a three-song suite, which I actually agree is this is the best section of the record, is this track and the next two really come together. Uh, just the, the vocal drum sync up at the end there. It's almost yeah. kind of like a, a pile up energy, but blast beat speed. That's just really, really cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm sure that you'll have more to talk about the kind of like the hardcore aspects of this, which are subtle, but really important to the overall delivery of the record. Well, I guess something I forgot to say was um, this is on because it's interesting that this is on closed casket. Um, yeah, which is a label that's like not from my neck of the woods at all. I don't know anything about it really. Yeah, well, you would know them because they're indirectly connected to Zabalba because it's like West Coast. Or, oh, wait, sorry. Closed Casket is actually East Coast. My bad. Um, but like, they. Zabalba's done some EPs with them, but basically they were part of this first. They were one of the core labels for the beginning of sort of HM2 hardcore, right? Mm. And so they had these West Coast bands like Disgrace, uh, God's Hate, Twitching Tongues. There were a family of, of bands that um, were some of the first bands following on Zabalba, or maybe just I heard of them later, doing that kind of thing. And maybe sounding more like Entombed in some ways. Um, the... Uh, 
you know, yeah, they've put out a lot of very heavy, very metal influence, sort of, I guess you just say beat. Yeah, it's like a beatdown label. Hmm. Um, okay. They put out Incendiary, too, which is and full of hell. Or not full. Well, we, we don't care about full of hell. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, f- yeah, like Harm's Way and shit like that. So, you, you okay. know, it's sort of like a big heavy hitters of heavy hitters of very modern, very aggressive hardcore. Um, That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's interesting. This is sonically, as far as I can tell, definitely off the beaten path for them, but it also makes a lot of sense. It's a cool it's a cool move. Oh, I guess they also did some Primitive Man recently, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, I assume it's all part of, like, families of bands all releasing together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, what have you got? Well, um, I, you know, my next sample isn't very hardcore but um, uh, this is... Uh, you know, talking about let's let's go with that specific kind of grindcore riffing you were talking about, like that that approach to riffing, right? In the notes, you say the riffs are alive and convulsive, right? And that's a quality we like to stress whenever we hear it. But grindcore is especially that, and that kind of internal rot, pure grind sound is especially that. Um, this is a very short. You know, one thing this show has done has got me liking the sort of absurdly short songs. Yeah. Um, which was not my thing before. I wanted enough time to like sort of groove or skank or headbang, right? This is um. So li- there are a few clearly defined riffs here. They're very cool. Um, this was my favorite part on the record, and this is not one regular person has been unharmed, and no one is innocent. Yeah, that's a very complete idea. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there you get, uh, you know, at the end, you got this great use of war metal blasts, right? That sort of staggered 6-8 half blast. Um, and the beginning of the song just has a very, like, has a... It succeeds in being jarring without spazzy, right? And a lot of the heaviest parts of this record, when they're going full speed, involve these transitions between one kind of blast riff and another that are um, really abrupt and have the heaviness of just instantly slowing to a breakdown, but are just between blasts. Um, And, you know, that second riff particularly hits really hard. It just sounds like... It's, I can't hum it, right? That's the nice thing about this. These are riffs that you can't isolate to a single melody or even a single chord pattern. There's something that really escapes much of our... You know, many of our ways of simplifying music, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it gives you something irreducible. You can't go home humming it, therefore you have to listen to it. Right, and that like horrible world falling down riff, just like <laughs> right, and that kicks in um, in an in an interestingly timed way with a transition in the vocals. So there are three kinds of vocals on this record, and you hear them all here. 
Um, you have highs, which I think are the least strong, but I like that they're there. Um, and you have the lows, which kind of like we heard on the, the, the opener, the show opener, right? Mm. Uh, they're like brut- proper brutal death and like gore grind lows. This kind of like, uh, you know, a not a growl, but a extremely sustained guttural grunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the idea that like, you know, while they're grinding, the guy's just going, <laughs> right? That just crushes. Um, and he uses it rhythmically. And then towards the back end of the song, um, when the riffing gets a little more back to those kind of like uh, black metal scronk runs, right? Then you get more of the steady mid-level vocals, which is a rasp, but a rasp that works like the gutturals, which I also really like. Interesting thing about the high, the vocal rhythm and the high, uh, the high vocals at the beginning of this track is like stuff on Jane Doe. And oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know that it tells you much about this band. It tells you something about Converge, the size of the shadow they cast. Well, yeah, right. I have no doubt that Jane Doe is like a, probably a top ten for these yeah. guys. The size of the ca- yeah, the size of the shadow they cast is just amazing, right? He sounds like Jake Bannon, like not, you know, maybe not with the signature craziness on those highs, but like kinda, right? You know, that's really just the thing. It's like the other kinds of vocals are a little more distinctive, and I hear the highs, and I'm like, oh, Jake Bannon screeching, but like it's really, I mean, even to make that comparison means it's really good. Right. <laughs> uh, and and you can hear it in a lot of the rhythmic and the choppier rhythmic inflections throughout. The timing on it is also like Jake Bannon until then the drops in right in this kind of unexpected way. And the the whole track is just like it just puts a silly grin on my face. Um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. So this is really cool. Um, and yeah, also in terms of like early two thousands sort of. Um, uh, extremely, you know, sort of extreme metal core type stuff that's been really influential. I mean, also Pig Destroyer, right? Oh, which, yeah, yeah. Which in some way was a very accessible grind band, right? And in some ways that was, you know, Baby's first grind band for all of us. But, like, it also operates on a withering intensity that, like, yeah. a lot of bands that are more noisy or more, you know more grindy or less polished like just do not have right oh yeah and this yeah. band manages to write things that are in as engaging as pig destroyer songs but with a vocabulary that's much more underground yeah i think that it's taken a lot of years for people to fully understand just how important prowler in the yard was yeah. um yeah, yeah, yeah. especially more in the like the metal side of things because you know mm-hmm, pig destroyer mm-hmm. were always straddling that line um but i think it's it's only in the past you know five to ten years that metalheads really understand. Oh, this wasn't just cool for how extreme and how crazy it is. Like just on a riff and structural level, this is a phenomenal metal record. Also, um, so yeah. Uh, so my last sample is going to be the third one in this like triptych of songs in the middle of the record, um, and this is where I'll you're going to hear some stuff that's more distinctly hardcore. But what the way they use it is really interesting. So this is a song called "Real Trauma Bomb First," and uh, what you're going to hear is like a lot of this song is structured around a sort of preparatory breakdown figure that never actually releases its tension. It always kicks mm. off into a different direction. It never, it never gives you the money shot. And I kind of mm. love that about this. Like it's refusal to fully engage with the idea, but I'm wondering kind of 
about your perspective, because just as a guy that knows more hardcore, you might know where these ideas come from a little bit better than me. actually listening to it again it occurs to me i might know what the idea is there i think that might kind of playing off you talking about impetuous ritual i think that might be like a grave upheaval thing because um grave upheaval will do these like weird extended tom passages where you're kind of expecting like maybe like a a huge doom death rift to come Mm -hmm. but instead it just like it just slithers into one of those sort of like flat horizontal planes of blast beats that they'll do mm-hmm. um so i think something similar is going on here it's like it, it has all the significance of a sort of pre-breakdown thing in a hardcore song but it has no interest in like just making a mosh part out of it um yeah it's very heavy in and of itself yeah um. it doesn't really need it doesn't really need the huge breakdown climax it, it, it mean, functions fine on its own it also Let's. Yeah, it the certain things about the rhythmic idea or, or about the certain aspects of that riff continue in the blasting part after. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's just on the brain, and you know, sue us, we're metal guys, but like we, you know, there are probably reference points we don't know, but um, could, like. That, I, I mean, that breakdown had the same sort of choppy John 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 vibe you get on Concubine right at the beginning of Jane Doe. Like, oh, okay. It's like half timed, right? Like half timed here. It's way more like a beat down rhythm. Um, but uh, it's uh, yeah, it's this. Even the whole idea of like making most of the song the pre blast, the pre breakdown thing. Even if you think of like the really choppy stuff at the beginning of the song as pre breakdown, right? Uh, that's kind of like some of the more angular stuff at the beginning of Jane Doe, Concubine, Fault and Fracture, um, stuff like that. Um, and it, um, 
you know, yeah. I mean, who's to say what they are actually listening to there? But it, it is just very rooted in that tradition. Um, also, the... Um, I gotta say, I really like the... They do this weird thing where you have that kind of choppy, seemingly pre-mosh stuff at the beginning. That's, and then you go to this, like, flat-out blast riff, and then back to the big halftime sort of actual pre-mosh riff. Um, and in the flat-out blasting part, I really like the riff there. It's just this kind of queasily slewing sort of black metal riff, but, like, totally atonal. I, I like that one a lot. Well, yeah. I mean, that that kind of applies to the whole record. It's like these guys are taking a style of music where a lot of the individual parts tend to be very gestural, and they're like, no, fuck it. Let's, let's, let's put something that actually matters here. shooting the shit to discuss something very different for Vermin Womb uh, the third record or really sort of two and a half by Poland's Arma uh, this this one is called Serpent Storm and it comes in the wake of Cold Wrath of Mother Earth in 2019 and then there's a split before that and then Venomous Frost EP in 2016 which is almost like these days if that came out people would be like that's a full record um but uh this is a band that just seemed really fucking cool and so years ago I started just keeping my eye on I loved the album covers I really liked what I heard of the samples but I basically just bookmarked it to check out later and never came back to it and now it's one of those things where I'm like kicking myself like shit I could have spent like three years listening to this um so this is their yeah so this is their new one um it is out on first wave only which is a small label that I'm guessing is probably in-house one of them um or at least somebody close to them there's a CD release due on that. Other than that, it's just on Bandcamp, which is how I found them. Um, 
the band camp following for these guys is way too small. Um, to me, this is one of the best discoveries I've made on this show. Uh, I'm This band is awesome, and I would like to really support them hard going forward. Um, so musically, you might be wondering, what is it? Well, I guess this record is extreme heavy metal, right? And the nearest point of comparison you wrote in the notes would be what, Death Metal Guy? Well, it'd be Eisenhand. That's the most immediately proximate thing to this that we've covered on the show. Yes, this sounds like it's something that could be released on Dying Victims, right? Mm-hmm. The sort of the, the German clearinghouse for that sort of thing. There's also another great band, Spiker, on Dying Victims that I like a lot, and this is has a bit in common with that. Um, and so this means it is sort of, uh, you know, we talked about Eisenhand being like this really sort of really refined sort of return to the sound of bands like diamond head but with all the knowledge and sensibility gained by extreme metal right so dudes who clearly understand extreme metal playing this early stuff that influenced it with this slightly harder edge right um and armaga is doing that and then some that is there are their earlier stuff had they described as um you know, uh, as Black Thrash, right? And um, this new stuff is also pretty... um, It it has residue of that, you could say. Um, It it is still very black metal sounding in a lot of ways. Maybe more than would meet the eye. Um, And, you know, yeah, so it's, it's like the extreme heavy metal thing taken to a more extreme direction. Um, there is also sort of a conceit in this band, which we'll definitely get into more later, which is, uh, the band name is, uh, it's, it's a county and a city in Northern Ireland, uh, and specifically in the part of Ireland that is most sort of, uh, um, the part of Ireland where that's sort of like the center of its mythological epics and these guys have this kind of Celtic barbarian aesthetic that might seem unusual for a Polish band, but actually makes a lot of sense. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that more. But you can hear this Celtic inflection in a lot of the guitar work, even though some of it is also kind of bluesy in the way that a lot of the New Wave of British heavy metal stuff was, or, you know, Diamond Head. Um, yeah, so Death Metal Guy, what did you make of this? Uh, this is an extremely weird record. Um, hear, hearing Eyes and Hand last year was pretty weird, but mostly just in the sense of like being this insanely faithful recreation of like speed metal circa '84. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> this is even further afield than that. So. So there's going to be a lot of comparisons to Eyes and Hand, but that's just because it's a similar idea they're revolving around, which is a sort of speed metal 84 thing with these little inflections, well, or in Armaz's case, not so little, inflections from extreme metal. Uh, we're also probably going to be talking about Anahata a fair amount here. Um, oh, yeah, and, some, yeah. 
Well, just in the sense that they're doing sort of burly USPM oh. that features blast beats. And stuff. Oh, yeah. Anahata is one of our other main extreme heavy metal reference points. I just say that Anahata is sort of like, pro- Anahata is produced and delivered in a way more modern way. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I just mean structural mm-hmm. structural ideas. So, mm-hmm. so basically what I'm left with, so after listening to this record, I've concluded that it's like, it's it's seventy five percent ideas I really really like and want a lot more of, and twenty five percent that I kind of can't stand. <laughs> it's, I, 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 there's been very few records on the show where I've felt so radically different from song to song on the same record, um, which is kind of interesting. Just because, as we always talk about on the show, you know, heavy metal tends to be. A, a, a style that's pretty homogenous. You don't typically see bum tracks on an otherwise great record in the, the in this style of music. But here, I think there's just so much going on. You can isolate certain musical ideas that these guys are incredibly good at, and it's like most of what they do, and there's a couple that just don't work for me at all. Mm-hmm. Um and what's interesting is that it's kind of uh, flipped from Eisenhand uh, for me because here I think the stuff that leans into extreme metal the most is far and away the best material on the record, whereas the sort of oldest sounding stuff, the very um, sort of stuff that's referential to the 70s and kind of boogie rock and stuff is for me easily the weakest material on the record. But what's interesting is that... Whereas with Eisenhand, you thought it was the other way? Uh, well, with Eisenhand, we I thought it was... We just fucking loved the Eisenhand record. Well, yeah, we no, just... it was, like, uniformly strong, but it's, like, for me, the Eisenhand executes on that sort of, like, Thin Lizzy stuff a, a lot better than yeah. this does. Um, oh, its center is more in the boogie rock thing, and it, it it's the most unique part about the band, right? Yes, like, yeah. I remember... White Fortress is a stomper, but that like almost sounds like a that's almost like a pagan black metal song. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so this is interesting because it's like um, here, it's like I can just look at the track listing and it's like really like that song, really like that song, really likes like that song. Can't stand that song. You know, which one? Which, which one do you not like? Do you do you remember? Well, uh, for instance, uh, well, there's a couple that stand out. Mm-hmm. I, the first one is I I don't like the opening track at all. Woman from the Hills just I, I, did nothing for me. It's got this kind of. It, it's got. It's definitely sort of like a weird choice to open with because it's kind of like the. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I can dig it more than you, I think. However, mm-hmm. it really does have this kind of boogie, thin Lizzy vibe until the very back end of the track where it starts to open up and heat up. Which is something um, we can and, and, you see know, on a lot of these songs. Oh, I guess I guess a thing it does weirdly is that right. This is the one where very early on, it like it, is yeah. This is the one that like weirdly goes into this kind of like Led Zeppelin-y descending progression in the middle and sort of like way slows slows down momentum. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear. I, what I would say is that I, I think all of the parts that you like about this less, I also like less, but I'm more down for the whole package in part just because I've 
now checked out their other stuff and just have a uh, this sense of what they're what yeah, they're trying to do. You've got this more this more well defined sense of what the band's about. But well, let me <laughs> uh, let me play a sample. Let's let's get mm-hmm. into it. So here's a, a song that I think really illustrates the difference between the parts that I don't like and the parts that I really do. So this is the third track. It's called Into the Fumes of Deutero Steel. There's a very strange juxtaposition of like fantasy and sci-fi and street punk stuff across mm-hmm, this whole mm-hmm. this whole record. It's an interesting aesthetic, I'll give them that. So so the first couple minutes of this song really don't do anything for me. It's it's very Zeppelin-y, very boogie rock. Not terrible, but it just it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. But then and here's where we're gonna start a couple minutes in a break occurs and it's like a different song starts completely and let's talk about the stuff that i find best on this record right here So yeah, it's like it's like this. <laughs> it's almost unrelated to the first couple minutes of the song. You know, you've got this this wonderful kind of progression into this fascinating thing that I've really never heard before. The idea of this like sort of aggressive blast heavy drumming with these very languid early '80s heavy metal riff formations, like you know, like Iron Maiden, early Maiden at their most contemplative. Um, and that's an awesome idea. That's that is wholly unique. I have never heard that idea before, and I really like it, and I want more of it. Um, everything works, you know. Just the the way the riffs kind of pile up in this very organic, jammy fashion, but still with that focused narrative that you expect from a heavy metal record. 
it's awesome. The whole back half, back two thirds of the song is often. The question is, why is why is it bolted to like this very boogie rock first couple minutes that don't seem to have a whole lot of relation to the rest of it? And that's that's how I felt about a, a fair number of moments on this record. Oh yeah, the first riff is sort of like like right is this kind of like we're delivering the riff because we have to kind of feel yeah it's it's almost like it's almost like the song was built around this really cool section they established first um which is like what i played and they were like well fuck how do we run up to it and it's like they felt the need for this sort of like preparatory horizontal stuff to kind of like eat up time and a a lot of the guitar a lot of the guitar dressing around that main riff or even the vocals are connected to the rest of the song but the focus there's just there and um also on my next sample there is maybe an they seem weirdly focused on this kind of um stock stock new wave of British kind of riffing that is, uh, or early speed metal riffing that really is like, as far as this band's riffing capacity, like, like really sort of like deliberately underperforming, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it, it seems like an interest in a certain style, but yeah, that blast section is amazing. Um, and it really, to me, it feels like I think we'll get to it more with your second sample. I think it's in a way it's a thing you kind of zeroed in on, but I would say like. Although some of the some of the things there are some parts on this record that recall the most um, the parts of Led Zeppelin that did not translate into extreme metal, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the most sort of you know the sort of flabby blues rock stuff. It is also one of the great strengths of the band that they're drawing directly on Zeppelin, which is a uh, and that sort of descending chord progression is like very. Um, babe, I'm gonna leave you. Or mm-hmm. since I've been loving you, um, even the weird—they do this weird little change up at the end for the turnaround, where the chord doesn't land where you think it's going to. Um, just, just the texture and the looseness and the kind of tight jamminess of it is all drawing directly on Zeppelin, which is a thing that, um, well, like. I think extreme metal has respected Zeppelin by leaving it alone. <laughs> they, uh, they, we, we understand they're after radically different things. Well, and well, except there's a part of Zeppelin that does point directly towards extreme metal, and this band is at their best. This band, one of the best things about this record is that these guys often intentionally engage that part of the band rather than say like Black Dog or the one about squeezing a lemon. Oh no, no, I um, definitely I definitely agree one of the strengths of this band is the very organic kind of jamming bluesy quality of it. Mm-hmm. Like like I think that's important. I think that is a good thing for people to pull from Zeppelin. I think it's it, for me it's like specific kinds of riff forms I just can't get yeah. behind really. Yeah, well, no, I mean, in some sense, I think the blues is the weakest link in Zeppelin. Um, but, like, they've clearly learned a shit ton from the blues. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, like, three Zeppelins, right? They're sort of, like, cock, cock rocker sort of blues Zeppelin, which is basically, like, the Rolling Stones if they were better, right? Like, if they were mm-hmm. heavy, right? Um, you know, like, Black Dog kind of has a cool riff, but is also just totally silly. Um, and then you get... Uh, you get sort of jangly folk rock Zeppelin 
and you get um, kind of grim metal Zeppelin. And the last two go together. Yeah. Right? So, like, Battle of Evermore has both. Um, or, like, um, and the last part, obviously, the main ones are just, like, Achilles' Last Stand and Immigrant Song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, like, they write stuff that really is sort of extreme metal pointing. Um, and, and you know, there, there's bluesisms throughout that and the more folky, hobbity stuff. But there's there's something in Zeppelin that... Um, yeah, well, we'll get into it more. I, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. There's so much I want to talk about with this record. Um, uh, so here's the next one. So this is, uh, uh, I think, something like Macha's Height. Um, and this is... Uh, this is one of the first, this is the first like through and through Celtic sounding track on the record. Um, and this basically fits the pattern of Deutero steel. First part is basically kind of this rote heavy metalism that I could take or leave, right? It's well delivered. It's just like not what this band's uniqueness is. Um, and so I'm going to sample the end of that just so he, people can hear what those sequences are like and why we're maybe criticizing them. But um, and I'm going to give you that, and don't get me wrong, it's well executed, but give you the end of that, and then the song is going to open up in a uh, very cool way.
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's a that's a great sequence. That whole extended instrumental sequence is that's one of the highlights of the record. Yeah. So first thing, correction. I mean, I said wrote British heavy metal thing, but honestly, that riff is 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 great and is as good as anything any of the sort of riffs on Eyes and Hand. Right. That's just like mm-hmm. a that's a good style. That that's like that's the old school heavy metalisms of the record at their height in terms of um and and yeah you really like that one too i think i I was giving you too much credit there i was trying to (laughs) absorb your i was trying to i was trying to incorporate your criticisms but yeah that that part is great um but again right similar structure in that it the real meat of the song happens when it opens up into this more loose mid-tempo thing that is also maybe counterintuitively sort of crushing in a way that the first part isn't right Mm -hmm. the first part is like bouncy and locks into a groove and the second part you just get this tremendous sort of swaying loping weight right like giant strides over the landscape kind of like or or like dancing or slow weird slow tighten dancing Mm. yeah yeah, uh, i mean it's like those extended instrumental passages off of early maiden you know which mm-hmm. is all directly, you know, pulled from kind of like Thin Lizzy ideas and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So Thin Lizzy is a huge for this band and I think has been huge since the beginning. And we've talked on the show a few times about like how there are certain songs that happen before first wave black metal that sound more like what second wave BM became than, you know, most almost pretty much all the first wave stuff. So the classic examples we always give, right, are Hell's Bells. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would also say Emerald by Thin Lizzy is basically a black metal song. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it has a sick, really authentic, just uh, not just A, it's not like a confectionary thing. It, the, it, the riffing runs throughout. It is sick, really authentic Irish folk riffing. And the lyrics are about uh, getting swords and killing the guys. <laughs> um, and it's... Uh, um, and and so this band takes that very seriously as a principle for delivering real sort of Celtic pagan feeling. Um, the track is named after Emainamaka, which is the fortress of the, I think they would have been the high kings of Ulster, uh, King Concobar and whatever, uh, or Concobor. Um, and this was the setting of the, uh, the Tain, Right, the the sort of Irish epic about Cohelan, um, Cohelan depends. I you know I, for somebody who's half Irish, I should know my <laughs> Gaelic pronunciation better. Cohelan is how we usually say it in the U.S. Um, the uh, you know, um, and you can really hopefully people can really hear that in the guitar work. A lot of it is kind of understated. So there's Celticisms that are just baked into old school heavy metal playing or into more black metal playing that you're going to hear throughout this. Um, there, it's, it's difficult to isolate into discrete folk parts because that's not the point, right? The sensibility, it's folkish. The sensibility is in everything. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so you can hear these unfolding cascading guitar lines that you know the tandem guitar work at the end is is amazing but even before then it sounds very 
Celtic. And this guy really knows how to, or these guys, I haven't even checked the lineup specifics, right? One or, I guess they must have two guitarists. Yes. So they have a guitarist and vocalist, and then also a, uh, and then also a de uh, dedicated, another dedicated guitarist. Um, and so those guys know how to play, um, how to play electric guitars like folk instruments and, um, you know, how to make lines feel like fiddle lines and really sort of get away from, um, the the things that have become reflexes in anything related to extreme metal. Yeah, which is which is interesting because you hear a lot of like similar techniques executed in a radically different direction from a lot of like the antic stuff. Oh, I sort of hear what you mean. Yeah, yeah, like like sort of um that that lute like playing. Yeah, yeah, the sort of lute strums. Yeah, or the Italian band Flamen has that. Mm -hmm. Um or even um the fucking uh uh Holocaust, right? Yeah. Those, those, yeah. those However, this band takes it to a real extreme where it can like it has the kind of it's it's sort of freed from how we think black metal trem has to go, uh -huh. and in part because he can rely on leads more and rely more on space, and this this band I mean this band really has the kind of rhythmic openness and the sort of uh, compositional openness that I've found is kind of one of the blind spots of nowadays BM. Right. Oh yeah, um, I mean we've talked about that on the show yeah. a lot, you know, as mm -hmm. you know, black metal naturally and should have become more rigorously structured and defined itself within a purposefully narrow space. Yes, However, yes back then in the second wave, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that we're, you know, close to 40 years on from those ideas, naturally that box has to expand a little bit. Yes, there are there are other kinds of heaviness, right? And uh, and this this band are these guys are phenomenal musicians, and the musicianship is not directed into either the kind of technique, sort of extreme technique display that I think you as the death metal guy are a bit more into than me, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, or cool. right the thing that we both hate, which is just wankery. Yeah, right. Um, this is a kind of just uh, physical deeply musical flowing way of playing as a full band um anyway let's continue the celtic thing um so this is another one of the bangers this is storm over satanic city which is represented in pretty fine form on the cover art <laughs> um and here you're gonna hear a similar feel to the end of mako's height uh it's sort of you're going to get heaviness sustained in this loose swinging groove. Uh, part of what does that is the very 90s and 2000s extreme metal drum work. You're going to get continued double bass, and you're going to get really cool cymbal inflection. And this has some of the most prominent just sort of jangling dark Celtic guitar feel, and it's going to escalate in sort of spirals and knots.
right after recording that, they went into their cover of Raining Blood. That was just the uh, the little bit at the beginning there. So. <laughs> yeah, so what what reminds you of Raining Blood? Oh no, the, rather. no, it's just the the joke of the 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 Tom hits at the end there. Mm. Yeah, so this is there is a lot of thrash in this band. Um, the formative for them, I think their idea of like black speed metal has always been like Bathory is speed metal, right? Mm-hmm. Which is cool, but like their early stuff, especially the first record, has a ton of just unadulterated, just extreme thrash, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, it has a much more sort of chunky and abrasive tone, and those ways of playing have have never left. So the Slayer comparison makes sense. Um, even just the way of sequencing that blast part, right? Right. It kind of um, it's kind of more propulsive in the way a thrash riff would be, right? And you yeah, have the, like the long focus on the single note thing, and then the turnaround. Yeah, the, the, the way they elaborate on the lead trade-offs is sort of like an early thrash thing. It's very, it's very like a, you know, no later than Ride the Lightning sort of technique. When, when thrash was still being deeply informed by NWOBHM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but also that blasting part um, feels, uh, it feels a bit different, right? the jangle mm-hmm. and the kind of and the drone and it feels if we just went in with the idea of this as a extreme heavy metal band right taking the 80s stuff and cranking it up a bit more it almost doesn't really make sense what it is consistent with is the idea of this as a sort of uh, celtic barbarian sort of reptile mind pagan band um and maybe some of our listeners will have figured this out by now, right? But there's some kind of, there's influences here that are so deep that they are not directly visible, right? It'd be hard to isolate many Bathory riffs here. So that's one of them, right? Like Bathory just informs the whole thing. On the other hand, right? Graveland. Mm-hmm. Very clearly, right? So this is a Polish band and they're really into Celtic stuff. Who did that first? Well, the you know the Celtic Winter and uh, um, and Graveland, especially on following the Voice of Blood. Graveland keeps these kind of like um, uh, big, broad, uh, pentatonic Dorian Celtic style melodies in it, right? And it's associated with this just forthright barbaric manly strength, but delivered in this kind of. Um, you know, sort of primitive and ancient sounding jangly way. And this record um, does this, they do this really, there's such a like comprehensive knowledge of the metal tradition in this band. And they're not just, if you just imitate following the voice of blood or whatever, right, you're going to come out with something that also sounds kind of uh, primitive and deliberately raw and that you can just kind of, I mean, maybe it'd be unfair, but people will just pigeonhole in that area, right? Mm-hmm. What this band is doing is like saying, like, "Hey, hear that sort of like ancient string instrument sounding guitar? Let's do that, but with like the richness and presence of '70s guitar tone, mm-hmm. right? They're taking that kind of kind of hard rock or Zeppelin-y or Thin Lizzy tone and turning it towards this more ancient droning vibe, um, and." 
you know, the other band that that part sounds a lot like, and honestly, I bet this band, these guys are such heads that they probably listen to this, is Semaine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, let's do a quick sample comparison with Storm Clouds Gather off of Semaine's Indomitus. Yeah, I see what you mean. The the inherent Celticisms. Yeah, the sort of the the way that the tram riffing is sort of sawing, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and sawing and jangling. Um, it's not like they hit the distortion pedal harder or like a different pedal for the tram. Um, and also the way the bass is totally free under it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Like a big part of the melody in Storm Over Satanic City is coming from the bass kind of. You can tell it would probably started as improv, just riffing against the guitar drone, right? Uh, in the Semaine, also, the bass is way more active than it usually is in BF. In both cases, it's a little like discharge bass. Um, and you get this, uh, and this sort of propulsive, thrashy, tension-building aspect in the blasting. Um, Semaine also has this jangly tone and... More of the musicianship, right? Then obviously, then Graveland at that point, especially at that point in their career, right? <laughs> uh, and there are th- the open parts on Indomitus, like uh, that fucking one with the druid vocal, the drunk druid sing- singing. Do you remember that yeah, one? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I-, I think that was probably Fianna, but um, the the parts where they open it out to this more swinging mid tempo thing, you have a similar kind of cascading guitar parts. Uh, and just um, musical adventurousness. So there's a way that this band is, um, although this is presenting itself as a kind of uh, alternate history 80s record, right? And although their label is called First Wave Only and whatever, there's a way where this record is really, really interested in second wave black metal, particularly Mm -hmm. like, pagan stripped down raw um physical pagan second wave stuff and in how do we do this in a new way right how do we do this in a way that is not simply copying those bands and you know you can even think of like the way they blast the the way the blast and trem works it's way more inflected than black metal trem it's and they're using that heavy metal, hard rock, speed metal, and, like, just folk technique to put all this sort of, um, or thrash technique, to put this sort of, like, syncopation and changed-up picking in the blasts and things like that. Um, or all this more musicality and feeling in the leads. You know, there's this interesting thing where they're going backwards to pre-extreme metal stuff and using that to create something that I think, taken in a certain direction, could just be, like, the new extreme, the new black metal, or whatever comes after black metal. No, it's um. I, I mean, I mean, part of 
what you're really hearing is just the fact that, I mean, like you were saying, it, it does position itself as an 80s record, but part of that is placing itself so completely within that conceit of the time period that naturally even sort of later, more definitively extreme metal techniques are executed in like a stylistically appropriate manner for the era. You know, if mm-hmm. there was a second wave black metal riff executed in 1983, how would it sound? And mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, there's a logic to the way they're executing those ideas. Mm-hmm. All right, so I think this goes well into your next one. Oh, okay. Uh, well, this one, I mean, to a degree. Well, here's um. So I, I've been critical about some of the, the heavy metalisms and some of the more boogie rock stuff on this record, but there's times where they just pull it off and they're firing on all cylinders, and I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what made it distinct, like what made the parts in that, the parts in that style that landed for me versus the ones that didn't, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of drawing a blank. So I want to play a clip off of Industrial District Fever, mm-hmm. Where this is, I think, some of the best executed, like, um, you know, 70s flowing into 80s material on the record. And maybe you can tell me why this one works so well in contrast to some of the ones that don't. Okay, I think I listening again. I think I might have an idea. Um, so I think, I think when the boogie rock stuff is accessed directly 
by these guys, it's not great. But I think that when they're faithfully reproducing circa 81 to 84 NWOBHM that already had those parts in it, um, you know, because it wasn't probably until, you know, 84, 85 that heavy metal bands really stopped accessing that whole wing of stuff you know, mm-hmm. as a default mode. Because listening to this, I was like, oh, this this sounds like Jaguar, uh, who I've, I've played on the show before as like uh, like an interlude at one point, who are uh, uh, an NWOBHM band that I just love to death that's kind of obscure nowadays. Um, and the thing is, you'll just, you'll listen to these strange liminal moments when you're listening to records like Power Games. And something that happened there is after that really cool opening groovy riff, they kick mm-hmm. up the speed metal riff, but the drums are sort of subdued behind it in the way that you would hear back in 83. They weren't going to do these these super high octane, octane metal beats yet. It was still this kind of like, it's rock and roll figuring out how to keep up with this new kind of riff. The guitar style. is carrying the speed. Yeah, yeah. The the yeah. drums are a little bit behind, a little bit hesitant, but in a cool way. And there was just a few years where you would really ever hear that that's, before everything consolidated. Well, that's the kind of authenticity that um, uh, that Eisenhand really got too, right? In the mm-hmm. way that they would play, say they would play things that are kind of D-beat parts, but they would play them with the inflection of a boogie rock band. So it's like you're hearing say the other tracks off of overkill the motorhead or you're yeah, hearing yeah. um you know you're hearing uh oh i think probably a big thing for both these bands would be what, what is that uh um a pearl earring or golden earring oh yeah golden right? earring yeah 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 and, and deep yeah yeah radar love right yeah yeah well and it's like you can almost understand the psychology behind it it's mm. like okay so these new heavy metal bands are uh you know they're really kicking up the tempo and they're becoming more aggressive as a drummer what do you do you don't have a paradigm for that yet but it's like okay what's comparable that's like as fast i don't know some of the some of these new punk bands i guess so i guess maybe i'll just I'll do some of the beats those guys do on, underneath mm-hmm. this new kind of riffing, and it, it kind of works. I guess we're going to roll with that until we have a better idea. Yeah. That's that's part of the charm. It's like I always go back to the charm that I feel for like those first couple Maiden records, and I like that that's preserved in moments yeah. like this. You know. Well, well yeah, that, that's some really... Um, I think the riffing there, in terms of the most old-school... You know, you could not even call that speed metal, right? Although it's definitely pushing it. Um, that's some of the best, like, uh, very old school riffing on the record, uh, the, the fast part. But let's talk about the first part, right? That sort mm-hmm. of like mosh part, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In some sense, part, yeah. that sounds one of the most like Bluesy Zeppelin parts, right? Mm-hmm. But there's Bluesy Zeppelin and Bluesy Zeppelin. Uh, so when Hypershaman and I were talking about the Dresden Streams record, right, I was saying that there's this part of the second track that has this crushing mid-tempo drone to it, um, and this deep groove from the drums, and he, he was like, you know what, I, no, I swear, I've heard that before, I've heard that before, oh, that's like when the levee breaks, <laughs> and that's another one of the Zeppelin songs that is like, in sense, will always be ahead of us, Right? Where they're sort of like Raga influence and their uh, and their Delta Blues influence just come together perfectly to make this thing that is heavy in exactly the ways we all still care about, and just this like 
dense texture and this sort of inflected bending guitar. So these guys are doing that and in a way that's like um, more, I, I don't know, kind of like a mosh part in a thrasher hardcore song. Um, and it, the first time I heard that riff, I was like, whoa, whoa, that's that's like a little, uh, you know, like straight up blues riffing is maybe a bit out of, you know, like, you know, okay, whoa there, buddy. But then the longer it went on, I was like, wait, no, this is awesome. Like, this is this is really, really good. Yeah, so I mean, one of the weaker blues tracks is probably Flattened Rats. Um, it builds in an interesting way. There's always interesting stuff and cool stuff that happens on, like, every one of these tracks. But but I think that's one of my, my less favorite sort of overt bluesisms. But here, the blues riffing works in exactly the way that, you know, droning pentatonic Celtic riffing works. And that sort of heroic Dorian riffing works and whatever. Um, and it's just total barbarian shit. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, I, I just love how they're using this. It's so daring to, like, nobody's ever dared to just Zeppelinize and use it to make extreme, physical, brutal sounds. And these guys have the musicianship and the balls to do it, right? And basically just, you, you sort of use it to leapfrog the last 30 years. Now, we've laid all that out. Um thing would be where does the band go where is the band's heart and where do they go from here because for me this record seems to be pulling in two directions do you do you get that yeah definitely so on the one hand they refine the 70s 80s feel maybe keep the blasting and stuff like that um and just become this extremely good um alternate history retro metal band right in which case they would slot in well right alongside Eisenhand. Maybe they'll get signed to Dying Victims, uh, and um, there will be a there. It will be clear what the audience is for it. On the other hand, um, and the possibility that I mean, as you know, I'm on a fucking extreme metal show. The po uh, the possibility that is more interesting to me, and that that seems like the real sort of ambitious one is how do you take this and use it to make, you know, the thing that comes after second wave black metal, right? And w when I first heard this record, I hadn't gone back and listened to the early ones. And so it's just like, shit, well, this is awesome, but I just wish they cut some of the, cut some of the cock rocker stuff and just like, you know, cranked up the volume and intensity, got some, you know, I think a lot of the clean vocal, a lot of the singing sounds great, but I feel like I would also the parts where there are more aggressive vocals sound really good and the aggressive stuff on the early stuff sounds great. Um, and, and sort of, uh, um, and, and, and sort of, yeah, increase, emphasize the barbarian parts, emphasize the fighting music parts, um, emphasize the sort of new take on ancient parts. And, um, then I went back and listened to the records before this, and the weird thing is they've kind of already done that. Like, their first record was just... I'll play a sample, I'll play a track from it as the outro, uh, but their first record had the Celtic thing, and it had the old-school heavy metalisms, but the thing it really feels like in terms of mood is kind of like Ares Kingdom on Speed, which is amazing. Um, and... I wonder if the next step, 
if these guys want to do something really boundary pushing, how do you return to that kind of like um, rabid, violent energy, but with everything you've learned by making a record this refined? <laughs> 